Beloved brands know customer relationships are everything. That's why over 130,000 trust Clavio to power smarter digital relationships across their websites, emails, SMS, and reviews. And now there's Clavio AI, your guide to smarter insights, decisions, work, and results. Brands like Everyman Jack trust Clavio AI to personalize product recommendations that keep customers coming back. Discover Clavio AI at Clavio.com slash Fox. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com backslash Fox. The Chicago Bears got thumped by the Buffalo Bills in a preseason beatdown that we'll want to forget as quickly as we can. I go through the downs and the ups of this game with a special guest on this episode of Bear With Me. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And oh boy, do we have a doozy of a preseason game to be going through on this pod or on this postgame show as the Bears got whipped, I think officially 41 to 15 by not the rival, but certainly the Mitch Trubisky led Buffalo Bills in Soldier Field. Rough day at the office for absolutely everybody involved. And so with that in mind, just to help me get through this game, I've brought on none other than my own younger brother, Michael Schmitz, who I've been talking about potentially letting on the podcast for, I mean, gosh, now since I've been doing this for about two years now, about two years. So Michael, jump on, introduce yourself, and let's break down this game. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Um, What a time to hop on then after a game like that. Uh... We'll try to get the good and the bad, uh, what kind of good that we can find from a game like that, Um, but it should be fun. Good to be here. Yeah, trust me. After the 2019 and 2020 season, there have been a few too many games with this vibe to go through, but... Off-chargers game? Yeah, right. Let's just start at the top and go from there. This game was always going to be about Mitch Trubisky. I would love to pretend that it was going to be about Andy Dalton or uh, or Justin Fields or any other bear. But with Mitch Trubisky visiting Soldier Field, I mean, for crying out loud, I thought that it was getting way too much discussion whether or not fans were going to cheer or boo Trubisky before he got to the field. And then he went out and scored four touchdowns on us. What did you think of the defensive showing today? Because I can certainly talk about it, but what did you see before I get started? I mean, I don't know if I've seen many games in Mitch Trubisky's career when he's come out with four straight touchdowns, other than against the Texans and maybe a couple others. Uh, Frustrating to say the least, mainly because there were like way too many defensive starters in the game for that to happen. Uh, You know, a lot of times you're like, oh, Mac wasn't in. Oh, you know, it's whatever. It's the preseason. We had twos. No, I mean, Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson and, you know, other than those inside linebackers, it was way too many of our starters to go down 31 points in the first half. And then, you know, for it to be Mitch, for, for that to happen against anybody that's already sounding the alarm and then to see... How what we've seen from Mitch in the past years and the limits that he has as a quarterback, it's just puzzling, mm-hmm. uh, especially for, I think, a fan base that is expecting this defense to be, you know, middle of the pack and potentially getting better as the season goes on and, and potentially being, you know, shades of the 2018 defense that we saw. Yeah, I definitely think that bubble got burst today. Now, 
first thing, got to get ahead of it. It's the preseason. You never know. Yeah. I mean, worth remembering that back in 2018, the Chicago Bears second string came out against Kansas City's first string and dominated. They went three for three behind Chase Daniel and Kansas City, as you'll remember, definitely ended up turning in a pretty good season themselves with MVP Mahomes under center. But I've traditionally been uh, a somebody who will is willing to criticize Mitch, so I feel like I have to be the voice who comes right out and says, "Michael, Mitch played well today." Like he, I don't think he was as impressive as some people want to make it out to be. Stat line, if memory serves, I'm going entirely off the top of my head here, but 20 for 28 with 228 yards, a touchdown, no picks, and some rushing yards to go with it. But he looked confident. He looked controlled. He looked like he had been saying, happy, wanted, mentally healthy, ready to go against his former team. And I think, if anything, I ended up a little disappointed that, like you're saying, Eddie Jackson wearing number four, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks was in the game, Bilal Nichols was playing, Kendall Vildor, that's our CB2, if it's not Desmond Trufant, like Duke Shelley, nickel corner, starting nickel corner, we're getting picked apart by these 12 to 8 yard passes that Mitch was distributing that to me felt all too easy. I mean, we're talking about somebody who, again, but whether you love Mitch or not, we all know he's not a great deep passer, and yet it took until the better part of the second half for the Bears defensive coordination to actually try to press him into making those deeper throws. And that's where this gets so confusing, Michael, because it's the preseason. Like, I don't know whether Sean Desai actually wanted to call proper defenses against Mitch. I have no idea. Maybe, for all I know, he wanted to isolate Duke Shelley or Kendall Vildor to see whether they've got a problem on their hands or whether those players were willing to step up and make plays against Jake Kumaro and the rest of the Bills' second-string wide receivers. All I can say is they didn't do that. That it seemed as if Mitch and the Bills picked their way down the field against a lot of the Bears starters. And look, if it wasn't 28-0 to after four drives, maybe 28-6, to I can't quite remember what the exact score was, I wouldn't be sounding the alarm. Because it's just the preseason, and I really don't care. But they scored four in a row against the teeth of the Bears' defense, with the or like while being led by a starter that is very personal to Bears fans, I just it, I know people are mad, and I think that that rage is pretty justified. It's hard to see it another way, you know. Yeah, and and especially when you know, again, there's been so much talk with all of the fields hype, which obviously I am completely on the train, but with with the fields hype and Dalton and. Nagy coming out and, you know, saying that Dalton's the guy and not really relenting on that. If this had happened against anybody else and it had been 31-6 to with, you know, Dalton's offense scoring six, it would already be incredibly frustrating looking at the <laughs> offense. So then for the fact that, that that is at the hands of Mitch Trubisky, you know, is, is all the more uh, terrifying, frustrating... Just a very mixed bag of emotions. And, you know, granted, it, it is the preseason, and the preseason is known to have lots of vanilla coverages, you know, lots of base packages. And when it comes to Mitch's career, the times that he has thrived the best is versus vanilla base-level coverages. And when things get disguised, that's when he's had a lot of trouble. And so... A lot of the things that people have talked about decide doing with kind of bringing back Fangio's level of disguised coverages and lots of different looks um, and just really 
weakness in the defense. The hope is that he really wasn't trying to play any of those cards and waiting till the games actually matter. You know, nobody's hoisted the Lombardi Trophy during the preseason. So the hope is that he wasn't... The defense was just kind of a shell of itself, even from a play-calling basis. But again, from an outward perspective, when the guy who, you know, it's my time, Andy Dalton, comes out and scores six points in a in a half that Mitch Trubisky scored 31, that hurts. Oh, yeah. It, it just really does. I mean, you said it really well, I think. Mitch Trubisky's M.O. over the last three... Two years, really. Like, nobody said this in 2018, right? Is when Mitch plays the Lions, when Mitch plays the Jaguars, when Mitch plays the depleted Houston Texans, he goes off. Looks all world. And that means that Mitch got this reputation of either the Vikings, for some reason. I can't really explain that one. But he does seem, or he certainly played really well against the Vikings. That's uh, later in the 2020 season. But against the Vikings and bad defenses, Mitch is going to tear it up. And then he'll run into the Saints or the Packers and Wilt. And the trouble is, is that if that is true, then that means that a Bears defense comprised of mostly Bears starters was on the wrong side of this. And let's just shelve it, because I think that personally, between Trubisky talk and like as rough as this game was, we can only spend so much time on it. We can only hope things improve, because like you're saying, we were putting about as much weight on Sean Desai, I feel like, as we were putting on Juan Castillo to fix a magic Bears offensive line last year that seemed to get next to no real personnel improvement. So we were saying, coach, fix it. And hopefully Desai can in some way fix Fix it because it couldn't get much worse than 0 for 4 allowing touchdowns and two point conversions. But I I know we have to talk about the other side before we do anything else, yeah. and that's that if there is another bad thing to talk about, like you say, Andy Dalton comes in struggling. Like let's let's talk through the numbers here. Game one against the Dolphins, three and out, three and out. Andy's off the field. Sit game two against the Bills. Andy Dalton starts. Three and out. Three and out. Fumble after two first downs. Three and out. And that one had an illegal formation penalty. It It is hard for me, regardless of what you think of Nagy's play calling, Nagy's scheme, or any of that, whether you think it's a talent problem on the Bears' offensive line or the fact that Allen Robinson and David Montgomery and Darnell Mooney and a couple of key Bears skill players weren't playing Whatever the difference is, the Bears' offense against those same vanilla coverages that you're talking about really seems to be struggling under Andy Dalton in a way that I don't know how they dig themselves out of against the Aaron Donald-led Los Angeles Rams in a real game in Week 1. I don't know. This was discouraging. I, I don't want to be somebody who just beats the drum relentlessly for fields because sometimes I feel like that can almost sound too pseudo-homery, but this was... This was rough. They were one throw, like, frankly, one crazy catch by Rodney Adams away from going over against a vanilla coverage set. What did you see? Yeah, um, you put it very well. I mean, again, the hope and really just the hope for this offense is that Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham and really all of the skill players coming back that haven't been playing just, again, elevates this offense to 
that level of looking like a real NFL offense, and not even a really good one, but just an NFL offense. Um, but, I mean, it, it's hard to not watch that entire game start to end and think that things are very bleak. Uh, but, you know, again, Al Robinson is a, an elite talent. He will get open. Um, Darnell Mooney is the guy that could take the top off. I mean, Marquise Goodwin has incredible speed that could potentially be utilized well. Dave Montgomery in the last couple games of the year really came on, finished as, like, I think fantasy-wise, like, RB4, which nobody will talk about. Now, granted, there's a lot of aspects of that, but... <laughs> when you start talking fantasy football, I get lost. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, but, you know, the the hope is that is that lots of those players coming back, you know, Jason Peters hopefully being that starting left tackle, um, maybe even a Fady coming back sooner rather than later on the right, you know, gives Dalton time to be able to hit the timing routes to the guys that he wants. But, eh, again, it's just the preseason, but also it is a dress rehearsal. And so it's... Yeah. Right. We'll just... We'll have to wait and see. And again... The Rams were the number one defense in football last year. I mean, so even really middle-of-the-pack offenses were, are going to look not very good against that team. And so I'm really trying to temper my expectations to come into that game and hopefully not feel as bad as I did watching Nick Foles play the Rams this past year, but Ugh. definitely closer to that than, you know, the Kansas City Los Angeles Rams game that was, you know, 50 to 40 something and just points everywhere. That that's not going to happen. And hey, I'm glad that you use the words temper your expectations. Not because people need to, like you can make your own decision Bears fan, but it's more the idea that we are at a bit of a juncture here. I think you know that with when Nagy showed up in Chicago in 2018, he debuted a fun offense that suddenly did surprisingly well in scoring. Mitch got to the Pro Bowl. Things looked up. They looked really, really up. And then 2019 and 2020 happened. Obviously not great. But the second main quarterback comes into the Nagy offense behind Foles. And hey, look, I think the complaints about the offensive line are justified. I also think that the play calling was pretty sure. I think it was a little damned if you do, damned if you don't, given that if Nagy wanted to move the pocket, Foles was immobile. And if he wanted to do something with the run game, obviously the offensive line was playing Alex Bars in his first game at center at one point. But even so, like... I completely understand anybody saying that Nagy's running out of excuses. There's a difference between tempering your expectations and making excuses, and now with the third quarterback in quote-unquote Nagy's system or Nagy's offense or whatever, Dalton's got to look better than terrible. Like, we've seen him in terrible, terrible, terrible offenses before, like Cincinnati in their, what, 2-14 and 14 year, one and f- whatever that was. might have been 3-13. and 13. But we've seen, him, we've seen him in those, and he's still not producing nothing. And here in Chicago, this was, this was about as bad as he got. And look, I want to see Fields just as much as the next person. I think Fields looks electric and has a lot to learn and can do that on the job. But we're going to get there in a little bit. I do feel like even though I would look you dead in the eyes 
anyone and say Nagy started the game off just like I would want him to. He started off with play action. He tried to use a lot of play action, frankly, to open up passing lanes downfield. And the fact that we don't get to watch the game in all 22 means I have absolutely no idea what the route concepts look like. I don't know whether the receivers were just struggling to get open. All I can say is that from the broadcast's perspective, nothing was open. Or the quarterback was getting pressured. We certainly weren't working over the middle and making things easy like what we literally watched Mitch do throughout the rest of the game. This one, this one visually really hurt. And even though my brain said, it's just the preseason, or hey, the Bills might be defending it pretty well, or maybe like solid receiving weapons kind of help fix this, it definitely did not have a good taste as you watched it. I'm sure you felt the same way, right? Yeah, um... Yeah, no, it it was tough to watch. Um, it it gave me the feeling, really, of of twenty nineteen Bears of like just getting to an almost comically bad level where it's like you're trying to to kind of laugh with yourself because that's really the only thing you can do other than be <laughs> just really really sad in that moment. Right. Um, and again, I mean, what. I think Riley really was on on the field, like starting out the game, or at least pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, Demir Bird and and Rodney Adams were like the feature guys on the field, receiving wise. So I don't know the Bills well enough to know whether their starters were playing or or you know who was playing and who wasn't. But you know, there was definitely a level of guys not really getting. As open as they could. And it really seemed like kind of everything that could go wrong did. I mean, Rodney Adams, you know, when he tried to cut across the middle on on Andy Dalton's pick, like, immediately fell down. And Dalton knew, and he knew that it wouldn't have happened that way if he didn't fall down. And he walked to the sidelines laughing, you know, as as the fans booed him. (laughs) And, you know, the Chicago uh, loyals. Um, But it's... It's a tough situation, and it doesn't look great, but I think both sides of the ball, when it comes actual regular season time, aren't going to look as bad as they did today. Well, I mean, if they did, Nagy's got to be almost immediately fired. And I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, if only because in that first half, the offense gave up, or the offense got zero points off of, like, if you will, traditional offense, all of it coming off of one strike to Rodney Adams. That again, hey, credit to Dalton. There's probably better throw than Fields delivered him, uh, like, delivered Adams the week before, ever so slightly. Adams was still, yeah, I know, exactly. Adams was still going over his, like, defender to pull the ball over. And Fields definitely delivered the ball. Again, not coming down on Fields. Fields, look, we will get there. We will get to the second half in the second half of the show. The point is, is that traditional offense, Bears, nigh on over. And traditional defense, the Bears, nigh on over. Hard to go lower than that, but, you know, hopefully it's not, hopefully it's certainly not that bad against Los Angeles. Right. Right. Maybe. Maybe. But one thing that I will say before we move on, because I feel like we got to say it, right, is I think personally that barring something almost exactly like this, which, let's be real, it's a preseason game, but it was still total cataclysm that Nagy and the Bears were adamant about Andy getting the ball early. 
that there was no chance anything else was going to happen. And I don't know how much fan reaction actually matters when it comes to changing plans. I don't know whether George McCaskey actually cares about whether or not they lose to the Bills in the preseason in fairly embarrassing fashion. But I will say, it's not a good look for anyone when your hand-picked starter, your new one in Andy Dalton, can't seem to move the ball, while the guy that you got rid of in an almost truly public breakup that has been very, 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 like, it's drawn a lot of eyes. It's been very, very public in a lot of different ways. Comes in and scores four touchdowns in four drives, racking up over 200 yards in a preseason game. I don't know what comes next, and I would not sit here and speculate, oh, this definitely turns up the field's heat, but I do think that this is a very embarrassing moment for the whole Bears organization right now that... Maybe Fields could cure that a little bit, but I mean, who's to say, right? Yeah, I mean, I think in any game, again, if we were playing the Oakland Raiders or really any other team, if if Andy Dalton played an entire Las half, Vegas, I have to get used to it too. Ouch! 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 ouch. <laughs> that's that's totally my bad. I did. Uh, I called them the San Diego Chargers for absolute years, and I can yeah. only correct you on that on on air because you're my yeah. brother. Welcome hey, to I'll, it. Hopefully I'll be saying Washington Red Wolves pretty soon here. Hey, maybe, um, right? But, I mean, if we were playing any other team, if Andy Dalton started the entire half and it went the exact same way with six points on the board, I mean, that's already pretty hard and it's just going to temper even more with the Fields hype and with people calling for Fields to be starting and... Uh, some extrapolation of throws in practice and saying, hey, Fields looks so much better than he does, uh, than he being Andy Dalton. Um, and so the fact that it was Mitch is just like that little extra cherry on yep. top of like, ouch, that that cuts pretty deep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, we'll see. Andy's, Andy's a pro, and I mean, I truly think that when it comes to the rest of personnel, you know, people not falling down on their cuts, uh, having David Montgomery as that running game in there, um, that we will see a production level that is at a somewhat higher level than this past year uh, because he's not a bad quarterback. I mean, he's been a pro for, you know, however many years. He is a, you know, a pro bowler. He's been to the playoffs. He, um... You know, hey, he was he was somewhere in the forties on that NFL top hundred list. It's yeah, going around. I, I always remember that. What twenty fifteen? I was looking through, found that I was like, they voted Andy Dalton this high. Oh, okay, good for them. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill is also like number sixty on that list. So, claps for Ryan. Hooray. Good job, Tannehill. Hooray, Tanny. <laughs> good for you, bud. But yeah, I mean. I don't think Dalton is quote-unquote that bad, but I also think the game moves pretty quickly. I mean, to be totally fair, guys go from, what was it, Blake Bortles went from the playoffs to not in the NFL in like two years. I mean, I think it was Taylor a practice squad, if you want to correct me. But yeah, I mean, I don't think personally, like heart to heart, I don't think that the offense today was Andy's fault. And I think that if Fields ends up playing, it won't be because quote-unquote Andy sucks. I do think it's because the offensive tooling around him, whether it's scheme or starters, like talent, 
honestly, it's kind of hard to tell right now. I mean, even we, we talked about a bunch of skill players, but James Daniels didn't play today. Jason yeah. Peters didn't play today. Jermaine Fady is still not off the PUP list. I don't know if we'll ever get Tariq he Cohen back. back I don't know if we'll ever get Tariq Cohen back, like, to where he was. Yeah. To the point where it's not as if Andy was playing with, like, a full deck here. Even so, the fact that what basically amounted to a prayer was the Bears only scoring, immediately followed by a block PAT, by the way, was, um, yeah, you talked about it being like the cherry on top. It was like a little extra turn of the screw that just kept prodding into us. But hey, that's what the second half was for, because we got to watch Justin Fields play. Yeah, things turned up a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. We will take a, we'll step aside for our sponsors right here. Good job so far, Michael. And, uh, and we'll be right back after this. Hey, it's me, Robert Schmitz, and as the Bears season gets started, I wanted to tell you about a brand new way to play daily fantasy called Thrive that we've partnered with. Imagine a daily fantasy game centered entirely around player props rather than standard fantasy keepers and sleepers. Instead of having to hunt for that third string receiver you just know is going to score three touchdowns this week, Thrive gives you 20 player props to choose from and asks you a simple question. Is Allen Robinson going to haul in over 65 yards this week or under? Choose your 10 props, rack up the most points, and win a share of the prize pool. That's your chance to win a piece of $100,000 for NFL Week 1 in their featured $20 entry contest with twenty grand to first place. And the best part? When you sign up today and use promo code SCHMITZ, that's S-C-H-M-I-T-Z, Thrive will match your first deposit up to 100 bucks to double your money. So don't sleep on this. Download Thrive Fantasy today on the App Store or Google Play Store or visit www.thrivefantasy.com and sign up today. Happy propping and go Bears! Beloved brands know customer relationships are everything. That's why over 130,000 trust Clavio to power smarter digital relationships across their websites, emails, SMS, and reviews. And now... There's Clavio AI, your guide to smarter insights, decisions, work, and results. Brands like Everyman Jack trust Clavio AI to personalize product recommendations that keep customers coming back. Discover Clavio AI at Clavio.com slash box. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com backslash box. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. And we are back with Bear With Me, talking through post-game on Buffalo Bills, taking on the Chicago Bears, and, you know, they didn't end up recording a final score, so who's to say who really won, right? Uh, the fighting Texas A&M uh, Aggies always say that the Aggies just ran out of time whenever they lost, and maybe the Bears did too, but hey, when Fields got into the game, Michael... I do feel like things got a little better here with my younger brother, Michael Schmitz. Michael, what do you think about Fields so far? Uh, yeah, I mean, he looked good. Obviously, there was a very uh, frightening hit in kind of the middle there. Oof. And, you know, people are going to look at his stat line. I think he was like 9 for 19 um, is what he finished with. But, I mean, there were a lot of drops. Uh, there were There were a lot of things to look at and say... 
okay, wow, like, this guy has it, period. Um, I mean, that throw, what, a wheel up the left sideline to Jesse James, I mean, pretty. It was just, it was just Gorgeous. beautiful. Um, he used his legs well, uh, you know, again, hoping that he doesn't turn into a first read isn't there, I'm just going to tuck and run kind of guy. Um, but there was a lot, you know, again, I, like there was a throw, um, I think it was the one that got challenged that John Bay dropped. Um, but I just, I, out loud, I just said dart. And it, and it wasn't even that like strong of a bullet from him. It's just the way that the ball comes out of his hands. Um, and the way he seems to be commanding the pocket and the offense is something to be really excited about. And again, his physical tools, especially with where our line is and has been, uh, and, you know, looking at some of the teams that we're going to play against could be a really useful thing and, and could be a way that we could have points on the board against teams that we may not when Andy Dalton would be taking sacks uh, and Justin Fields could extend the play. But it was a good half. Um, you know, again, scary. And with that, the helmet to helmet, his helmet getting ripped off and his headband getting ripped off. Um and then his groin seemed to get aggravated a little bit, and he was limping around just a tad, hoping that that isn't something that's lingering for too long, and hopefully they didn't rush him out there too fast, but he seemed to look really good. It's it's funny, right? Because, so first of all, I feel like there are a whole lot of Bears fans, honestly, myself included, like I can own this, but we looked at Fields' debut against Miami, in which his longest completed pass was a, I mean, it was a great leap, or it was a really nicely thrown ball to a receiver so wide open he could have cooked breakfast and then still gotten into the end zone with plenty of time remaining. But, so, I feel like I'm hearing a lot of Bears fans say a three-letter word that I think is important, right? Wow. And it almost doesn't matter what happens on the play, because when Justin Fields throws the football, it just feels different. And to put a word to what you're seeing, if you do feel like that, Bears fan, I feel like Justin Fields' velocity really helps his receivers out. He throws with a much quicker tempo, like in just the way the ball spins out of his hand, whether it's a sidearm release, whether it's him putting his true all into it, whatever it is, his ball gets to the sidelines. I would say in about half the time that Andy Dalton's does. Dalton at one point was under pressure, I remember in the second drive, and he kicked the ball out to a wide open Jesse James. And the ball took a good little bit to get there, so Jesse caught the ball, tried to turn up field, got tackled for like, he needed 10, he got 7. And I couldn't help but think that if Justin had delivered the ball basically the same way, but he had thrown it with his standard velocity, somebody like Jesse James in that setting gets the yards because the ball gets there quicker. The playmaker gets extra time to make the play. I feel like the numbers weren't there today, but honestly, I don't care. Fields had a gorgeous ball down the sidelines to Riley Ridley that Ridley didn't make near enough of an effort to get a DPI call for as the defender armbarred him. I thought personally Fields' throw to Jesse James in the end zone on third and goal, I think it was the third quarter, was great, and Jesse mistimed his jump. As I keep watching that, because I've watched it a couple times, going like the ball arcs over James, he sort of gives a half-hearted jump, and then it comes down clearly within catchable distance of like a human body, but James has already kind of lost the opportunity. It's not that Fields was mistakeless. Like that hit, from what I can tell, 100% on him. Fields misidentified the front and ended up getting blasted. 
But but then he got blitzed about four more times throughout the rest of the game, and he delivered the ball quickly. He certainly didn't take another nasty, nasty sack and protected himself well. It's hard to tell what uh, what's going on with him because, like you said, he seemed to take some kind of an injury later in the game, but also it felt as if there was a very, very real decrease in talent around him when all of a sudden he started throwing to C.J. Marable and Artavis Pierce inst- and Javé Johnson, for instance, instead of at least throwing to Rodney Adams, who was up there playing with Andy Dalton. So, weird day for quarterback management, given that Dalton even had that late two-minute drive with the twos. And then Justin Fields ends up playing with the fours and shocker ends up taking a sack. I don't think that they're bad reps necessarily, but man, oh man, Michael, did I not, or did you not also have the feeling of like, okay, but doesn't Allen Robinson come down with that on that throw to John Vay Johnson? Like there are a couple of these plays where I'm like, man, if only when Fields rolled out of the pocket, I had any confidence anybody downfield could get open for him. Instead, he doesn't have. He doesn't seem to have anywhere to go, but we can't tell because we don't have all twenty-two. Yeah, and and that's where I I want to echo that I think his stat line is is kind of misleading, uh, just based on a lot of who he was throwing to, and not even from catching, but separation and timing. Um, I do find it interesting that earlier this week Matt Nagy came out and was very clear about you know Justin getting more reps with the ones, uh, and then he ends up playing really this entire game with mostly the threes. Um, but, yeah, and and I mean, that touchdown, or the incompletion in the end zone to Jesse James, I mean, against Clemson, that's a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I think he actually threw almost that exact same play. He did. Um, and, I mean, the throw from last week, a lot of people are going to say it was underthrown to Jesse James, but, like, yeah, if nobody's there, I would underthrow him, too. Um but, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about. And, and yeah, it, I do really want to see Allen Robinson catching the ball from Justin Fields. Um, and even, you know, Demir Bird and Darnell Mooney. I mean, even if he was playing with the twos, I think it would have even looked a little bit different. But, yeah, it's not necessarily bad reps, but you'd like to see a little bit more. Um, and I'm not going to say that that directly caused the situation of him potentially having his groin messed up again. But, I mean, it is interesting that your quarterback that you're trying to protect and is your future, you're throwing him out there for with in a game with a coach that seems to be blitzing way more than I would have thought in a preseason game. I mean, for some reason, Sean McDermott... I mean, he was tossing two-point conversions and blitzes. I mean, was there something personal about this game that, like, I I didn't catch? It just, he seemed to really, really want to just dominate. And, I mean, granted he did. Great job, Sean McDermott. (laughs) Yeah, this one was weird. I mean, we got to the point where, and hey, look, just calling a spade a spade. Matt Nagy challenged a like a third down pickup that, or it was like a third down tackle for loss that turned into a first down off of a bad call, like just last week in the fourth quarter of a preseason game. So I get it. The coaches have to practice too. But man, like from, look, I hate critiquing uh, pro football players' effort. I think pro football players try, but they definitely, the Bears, all, all facets. We didn't even talk about like punt coverage today who seem to give up major returns 
pretty much every time Pat O'Donnell let go of the ball, yeah, in- including a touchdown, also <laughs> last week. Like there, there were some real problems today from a coach. Like that you could that, that, that you got to put the blame somewhere. Probably goes to the coach, and I do feel like the quarterback management got got really weird again. Like there's not really such thing as a truly bad rep, but there are better reps than some. And at some point, I don't really care whether or not Fields can serve the ball up for John Vea Johnson to get in front of a safety and try to come down with it. I'd rather see Allen Robinson get accustomed to where Fields is going to put the ball. But I can't tell whether that's me being a fan or me being an analyst. Because obviously, I want to see the guy who looks like he may very well be a difference maker in Chicago get those reps, especially since, like, were you seeing what I'm seeing? That it feels like Justin Fields, whatever string he's playing against, can generate just about double the pocket time and double the play time in general that Dalton can. Because when Dalton's running for his life, he's going to get caught. Whereas Fields seems to be able to hop out of the pocket and whether it's chase out six extra yards on a second and 20 or on a first and 22, like just picking a couple yards up to set up second and 16, or whether it's running sideways to create a throwing option like he did against Miami, his legs seem to be like maybe just what the Bears need from a a pocket creation perspective, but he's also a rookie that just about got his head taken off. So I get both sides. Yeah, and I mean, another thing to talk about when, you know, his pocket presence and out of the pocket presence is that, I mean, Jimmy Jimmy Graham described it this way, but when he ends up escaping the pocket and escaping rushers, I mean, there is a little bit of it that does remind you of Russell Wilson and the fact that his eyes do stay downfield. You know, there was a play, I think, last week. Yeah, it was last week when he took the ball and ran the defensive back came off of his assignment, and then, I mean, it was a dump for, I think, 12 yards for Ronnie Adams. Um, but he, he seems to be very collected outside of the pocket. In Now, granted, you know, Mitch had a great game. He played so well. But in the past, when the pocket collapses, Mitch would turn his shoulders upfield, and you could see the panic, I mean, from the TV broadcast. Like, that, that was just the way that he handled a lot of pressure. And so... It's really good to see Justin Fields that way and see him come, you know, go from inside the pocket and stay there when he needs to, but when he feels that pressure escaping and keeping those eyes downfield. And and yes, it, it is just different than Andy Dalton. Like, there were times that Andy tried to tug and run and, and, and tried to escape rushers and did so somewhat effectively, but it's just a different level with Justin. Right. And I do feel like if there's one thing that's gotten really complicated, it feels like in both games, we haven't gotten a good sense for the running game. And look, it's preseason. I tend to doubt that, that anybody's trying to get involved with like the heavy set trench warfare, and I get that. But certainly the Bears' defensive line would left a lot to be desired. Hopefully Eddie Goldman, once he gets back in, because I didn't see if he was in today. So I'm just going to pretend he wasn't, because that'll make me feel better. But... Uh, like hopefully once he gets in, the Bears can plug a couple of run holes. Robert Quinn, I know, had a really nasty miss, but hey, Khalil Herbert had a nice run, like one. Yeah. And <laughs> he, sure. I mean, wearing Jordan Howard's number looked nice running into the end zone. I guess if anything else, like we're just gonna have to wait and see. 
It's the same preseason game. Fields looks visually good. I can definitely tell you that from everything I've read on Twitter, because I saw PFF, they do great data stuff. Obviously, not all their football opinions are like 100% nails sometimes. But the one thing that they did was they compared passer rating, like whether it's passer grade, passer rating, whatever it is. They compared preseason passer grade of a rookie to the regular season passing grade. And there is no correlation at all. Like, it's not as if the people who do better in the preseason do better in the regular season. I very recently remember Deshaun Watson having an extremely up-and-down preseason. He came in, and let's just say he did fine as a rookie, as he almost, uh, he seemed to be tearing everything up and making just about any game that he played in electric. So, I'm not by any means saying, that's what Fields is going to be, but there is an element of, hey, it's, it's the preseason the kid seems to be able to throw the ball really well. You talk about Russell Wilson. I haven't seen any of those, like, scramble around, back and forth, back and forth, and then find somebody 60 yards downfield yet. But he's thrown to Riley Ridley. He's thrown to John Vay Johnson. Like, yeah. what are we looking for? On the other hand, he's delivering the ball to Riley Ridley down the sidelines. John Vay or John Vay Johnson on the left. Or, and uh, Jesse James, that ball was really pretty as well. So... I'm not too worried yet. I feel like we didn't exactly learn anything in this game about Fields specifically. But hey, on a defensive end or on the defensive perspective, it did seem like the threes did a little better. I mean, it was nice seeing Thomas Graham even get his hands on a football. It's not as if, uh, oh my word, I can't remember the guy's name. I think it was Clifton Duck got a bunch of interceptions like a little while ago in the preseason like last year so I'm not by any means saying hey Thomas Graham you know he caught an interception that means he's a defensive back to be but it was more fun than watching the first half and Travis Gibson getting a sack is exactly what we want to see did you see anything from the three and four defenses that really stuck out to you uh I'm what number 92 i'm blanking on his first name i'll look it up johnson um he looked great was it caleb johnson i think so uh he had a really really awesome coverage of a kickoff where he shoved a blocker directly into the runner knocking both of them over and that just looked awesome and then he also had two fumble recoveries uh and immediately ran over to the sidelines to put it in the turnover bucket um But again, I mean, we're talking about the threes, and these are guys that are, you know, vying to be 47 through 53 on the roster. And so, again, liked what I saw at the end of the game, but at that point, it it was 41 to 15, and scoring pretty much stalled out, and pretty much everything stalled out. It was just kind of like... Are you trying to tell me that the three defense doesn't matter? No. Well, you'd probably be right if you did. And, and you know, granted, at that point in the game, if we weren't on offense and it wasn't Justin Fields holding the ball, I was kind of like, you know, similar to Pat O'Donnell, I was like, can <laughs> we just, you know, move this along and get Justin <laughs> back on the field? That was one of the weakest tackle attempts I've ever seen. I don't blame him. He's like the he's Bears. Not get hurt. He's the Bears smart hunter. But, man, if anything, like, if there's one thing that I think I would take away from this game – Besides the fact that, obviously, this is a proving year for the Bears in all facets. Again, there's I thought Olin Kruitz put it really well on Twitter of just having to tell himself over and over, this is the preseason, who cares? This is the preseason, who cares? This is the preseason, I need yeah, to relax. relax, I need to relax, who cares? Because the Bears were not good today, especially in, quote-unquote, the part that matters. But 
at the same time, I know the special teams matter, and the special teams punt coverage specifically feels like it's really missing that Sherrick McManus, that Josh Bellamy, the special teams ace that we've normally had. Um, there's another one, Broniker. Broniker's moved on, right? Uh, and he was really good on special teams. So it'll be interesting to see what Chris Tabor, who I have yet to be impressed with at all in his Chicago tenure, comes up with. But hopefully it's something because the Bears have given up now three. I don't know the numbers, but going off the top of my head, it feels like it's been at least three 20 plus yard returns, one of them being for a touchdown. And in two games, I mean, come on, you'd hope for better than that. Yeah, it's it's not great. Uh, and, you know, last week, I think from my perspective, I was like, oh, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's Jalen Waddle. Like, he's real good. Uh, you know, it's, it's um, you know, Grant Jr., he's, he's a pretty seasoned returner. Like, yeah, that's just, that's kind of bad luck. And then you see it kind of happen another time against, you know, the twos and threes from... Buffalo and and it's starting to become a correlation and I'm definitely hoping that that uh, doesn't carry over into the season, uh, especially in in just like some games that we could be playing the field position battle. Um, those yards matter a lot, right? And you know, I feel like I'm sitting here as we wrap up the show, like looking back, and it's like, wow. Robert, I feel like you were really negative today, just talking to myself. And I, it was I, a negative game. I was gonna say, <laughs> I, I, like, I hope that's fine because this was not a fun one for anyone. I mean, watching your team go three and out and then get scored on, and then go three and out and get scored on. It's like watching a baseball game where you're just giving up three runs every inning and trying to act like you're okay with it because you haven't turned the game off because you budgeted the whole three hours for it. So this was this was a rough one. The bright side is that obviously Tua did not march down the field. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> he, he kind of did. but hey, that... we picked him off. <laughs> this year's all about turnovers. Look, if there is one thing that I think I would close on before we get to your final thoughts, and thank you so much again for joining, oh, I feel like it's time to actually worry about the cornerbacks. Like, yeah. we are past the point in the offseason where it's June, and you can tweet out, Who's your favorite underrated player? Because mine is, and then you look through the roster and you find somebody who hasn't gotten any mention yet. And you go, uh, it's it's Thomas Graham. It's Kyrus Tonga. It's uh, blank. We're past the point where I think we need to keep high, or we need to pretend like Kendall Vildor is going to be some insane corner if he does end up starting. And especially Duke Shelley. Like, yeah. Jalen Johnson may very well have his own issues as cornerback one. I don't think he's a bad player at all. I actually especially think... Injured. I mean, if Jalen Johnson... If he re-aggravates the injury that has been re-aggravated a couple times, I mean, we are in capital letters, underline, bold, trouble. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like Jalen, to this point in his career, it has shown that he's a capable cornerback too. And that's hard enough. Like, second round pick being a CB2, good job. Like, that's well-meeting expectations. I don't know if he's a CB1 yet. I mean, he he certainly got beat on Mitch's only touchdown pass of the game, and that's not something that you've never heard before, Jalen Johnson getting beat. But I do feel like Vildor and Shelley were certainly the names that got called much more often, and they're starters. That's not going away. And so unless Brian Dabble's scheme, in your opinion, is just truly that good, and I think at the end of the day, a football scheme is a football scheme, man-on-man is man-on-man, that you we got to hope for better. 
I don't know if we'll find better, but maybe Desai will be able to scheme something that helps these DBs out. But outside of that, um, this was one to forget. <laughs> what, yeah. what did you think? I mean, again, the, the I remember Olin Kruitz put it this way, actually on Twitter too, is like the trenches in the preseason and the regular season are like two different sports. And so when it comes to like a lot of things with that, there is definitely things that are just going to be way different. And then when it comes to the defense, like people talk about Desai being a guy who's going to try to disguise a lot and, and try to, you know, incorporate a lot of what Fangio did so successfully in 2018, but with his own spin. And so if that was me in that situation, like I wouldn't be showing any of those cards in the preseason. And so that is that is one reason to like look at this and be like, ah, well, okay, whatever. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's... I think we're going to look back and letting Kyle Fuller walk for nothing um, because of the handcuffs that we put on ourselves in other cap situations, um, you know, like Quinn and Graham and others. And his transition tag deal. I yeah. Mean, he's going to get paid $20 million. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, that's tough, especially for a guy who proved to be really valuable and... You know, that was a strength of ours this past year when it came to him and Jalen Johnson. You know, we were all talking about how, you know, we have this awesome CB1 and we actually had like a really underrated CB2. And now we're like, <clears throat> Johnson's, Johnson's good. He's young and promising. You could do worse. And after that, uh, maybe they'll be okay. Roquan's real good. I haven't seen Trufant <laughs> yet. Who knows? And so... Uh, I don't know whether, how we're going to handle that, but, I mean, looking at, I mean, even, like, you look at Buster Screen and you're like, wait, come back. And, like, that's not a place that I thought we would be at at this point (laughs) in the year. Uh, But, again, it's something to temper expectations, but also there's a lot of this game that it's a preseason game and we're going to look back in the middle of the season and be like, Oh, yeah, Mitch did kind of dice us up, but yeah, whatever. Look, at the end of the day, I can't help but feel as if whether or not Justin Fields plays early or middle, because I don't think it'll be late, not, no. not if it looks like this, that week one, September 12th, maybe one to just just get you, make yourself a nice digestible dinner so that you can keep it down. Because I feel like that Sunday night game, especially if Andy Dalton starting, could be an ugly one. But it should get better from there. I mean... The biggest win of that game will be that Justin Fields didn't get hurt. I mean, (laughs) it's so sad because you say that and and Justin Fields kind of did get hurt today. But hey, you know, we, we take the good with the bad. Hopefully the rookie learns. Certainly it seems as if he improved against blitz coverages. And hey, when he's ready, he'll be ready. Yeah. But... At this point, I do feel like if last week was a reminder that the Bears may have something in Justin Fields, this week was a reminder that Matt Nagy has still got plenty to prove as the head coach in Chicago. So hopefully, for our own sanity's sake, he can. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Are you planning on doing any work in the future? Like, will folks hear from you again? Or just headed back to school? TBD. You got it. Cool. Well, thanks so much for jumping in. Thanks for having me.
Of course, anytime. Bears fans, thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye.